You're listening to Business in Black with your host, Danita Harris. And welcome to another show of Business in Black. This is Danita Harris, your host. Uh, This is a weekly podcast where we talk about things uh, to start to grow and to build your business for a successful venture. Hopefully it'll last a long time. And uh, we're joined today by, of course, our lovely co-host, Dr. Latanya Hughes down in Miami, Florida. I, of course, am in Brooklyn, New York, the BK. And um, on this episode, we are talking about how to build trust and loyalty in your business. So we've kind of hit on it in a couple of other shows and uh, we really thought that um, we would take some time this hour to talk about um, a couple of ways to do that, excuse me, in, um, in your business. And um, I think building trust and loyalty is a very necessary thing. The first thing I think about when I think about trust and loyalty is Apple is Starbucks. I think about those brands because they've done things to position themselves. Um, in a previous show, we talked about brand loyalty, but they've done things in a, diff- in, in, in a particular manner, in a particular way to captivate a particular audience um, and develop cult-like followings, which is huge for trust and loyalty in a business. Um, I'm a big relationship salesperson. So basically relationship sales is about building trust and it's about building loyalty and building rapport, right? So when I now go to XYZ coffee shop that's not Starbucks and I try and order a venti, they're going to look crazy. I've bought into their culture of Starbucks. I've bought into their lingo. I've bought into their products. I've bought into everything about them that I now start to infect the rest of the world with it, which is exactly what you want. Other people talking about your business outside of your business establishment. Right. And so that's how you, it catches fire and it becomes a wildfire. um, And uh, people start to learn about you um, from unexpected places and that sort of thing. So um, how do you, um, let's talk about, I want to talk about it in three different dimensions, Dr. Hughes. I want to talk about it from a sales perspective, from a product perspective, and from a marketing perspective. So, what do you think about um, sales? I'll start with you and then I'll go second. <laughs> I, well, you know, I'm all about relationships. I think, um, you know, you, you guys have heard me say it before. People do business with people they know, like, and trust. And, you know, you, I think sometimes we overcomplicate it. It's just as simple. I mean, you think about, take the business aspect out of it. You're still dealing with people. And at the end of the day, think about your personal relationships and the people that you're closer to, the people who you trust. You trust them because you spend time with them. You take the opportunity to get to know them. What does that mean? You go to coffee on a regular basis or tea or whatever it is you drink. I like hot chocolate, so, you know. But, um, you know, you you sit down and you chat and, you know, it's not always one focus, but you try to get to know everything and you want to be a support system for that person. That's how you develop trust because you get the heartbeat of that person and they get your heartbeat. And now you're kind of, you're not beating as one, but there's this, there's, um, you're in sync, you know, there's a simpatico relationship going on. And so now you understand that person and now you understand their heartbeat and you know what drives them. 
It's the same thing in business and sales. It's not if we take the ugliness of, do you want to buy, 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 buy? And just think about what do you need and how can I best support you with what I have to offer, even if it's not directly related to what I do. Right. I think the best place to start in sales is um, developing a list of who do you trust and who trusts you. Right. Right. So that you can see, well, do people really trust me and do I really trust people? Because it's a two way street. And then oftentimes, if you don't trust, if you're untrusting, you're going to project that out to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so <clears throat> trusting um, people is simple. You just simply want to um, tell the truth. Right. Because the truth will find you. Uh, And it's funny because I was having a conversation last evening about absolutely nothing and people just tell information and it's not like they are pointedly trying to tell on somebody and it's not that somebody told on anybody in this particular conversation. Um, It's about I just had a dialogue with someone and they just gave up information. So they don't know what my exchange with that other someone is. And -hmm. therefore they don't know if they're telling on somebody or not like, Oh yeah, well I saw, well, so for example, one of, um, one of the employees where I work at, um, had lied on, they have a a sign in sheet where they're supposed to sign in and they're supposed to, um, Um, monitor a certain area. So they fluctuate back and forth from this one area to the other area, right? So when they go over to the other area, they're supposed to sign off, kind of like they do in the the restaurant bathrooms that they clean the bathroom, right? So he signed off. So what he did was instead of having to fluctuate back and forth, excuse me, and my voice is all crazy this morning. Instead of having to fluctuate back and forth, he decided he was just going to sign, okay, eight o'clock I was here, 8.30 I was here, 8.52 I was here. Like, you know, like, Right. And then another incident happened in the facility that had him over someplace else. And his supervisor was like, wait, what? How are you in the same place at the same time? time. Right. Mm -hmm. So if he had just simply done his job and fluctuated to that side like he was supposed to, then he would have easily just not been in trouble. But the truth always surfaces is my point. Mm-hmm. So if we just simply tell the truth, tell the truth of what we're selling, tell the truth on our capabilities, tell the truth in what we're building, tell the truth. Now, you don't have to tell them all the insides and details, but just tell the truth. Um, people will respect you a lot more, right. I, I tend to think, right? So in telling the truth, you're going to be doing the right thing by your customer. Right. Treat people the way that you want to be treated. I think that's just easy assumption of how we do life. You just treat people the way you want to be treated. Um, I think another way to build rapport and relationship selling is return phone calls. Mm -hmm. How many times have you gotten an email or a phone call and you're just not promptly returning calls? Or emails, or you said, I would get it to you by five o'clock end of business, and then you don't. At least have the courtesy to send over a note that says, hey, I got tied up today. Um, you know, unfortunately, I won't be able to get it to you by this time. I'll get it to you by fill in the blank time. Um, I think that's a good point, too. But I think also, too, timely responses. Yes. 
because I'm still waiting on someone to send me something they said they were going to send me for a sale. I'm mm-hmm. trying to buy something from mm-hmm. them to apply a coupon that they offered because I did my part. It's been at least four months. Four months, girl. Mm-hmm. That I'm still waiting. Find another I don't vendor. like to beg people to take my money and I'm here to support, but guess what? No. No, I'm, that's a sale. That's one sale. So guess what you could possibly lose out of one sale? Because Multiple this person's sales, product. You won't tell people. Correct. And here's the other thing. I'm not even in their direct market. I am like a three, two and a half hour plane ride away. So your product can get into another market that you're not even in, but you won't do what you're supposed to do to get it there. <sighs> it's one sale that could potentially blow your business up. But see, I don't think they think of that. I think they look at people and they see that, oh, it's only $200 and they're chasing the bigger money and they don't understand the exponential factor. Because, Mm -hmm. I mean, we can never assume who you know. We don't know who you know. They don't know who you know. I know. And this is is a t-shirt business now. So here's, and let me tell you, and let me show you the power of what what I'm talking about. I wore another t-shirt here that my mom brought me from that same market that I'm waiting for somebody to send me something from. I got three people stop me to say, where did you get that shirt? Mm. And I told them, my mom brought it to me from XYZ state. They Mm. were like, oh, I was really hoping you would tell me you got it from somewhere around here. Mm. So one shirt, three people wanted it and it's not even available in this market. So if I wore that one shirt from the person that I'm waiting on to send me so I can finalize my order, how many more people? But that could potentially be three more sales. And yeah, it might be $25, but three times 25? Well, but we don't know who they are. But then those other people, who's going to ask them? You see, that's the exponential factor that we're talking about here. So never minimize anything. Think about Kim Kardashian West. When she came out with her contour line, it was very inexpensive. But guess what? Sold out in hours. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Hours. Because what is the exponential factor? Because again, we're looking at, like like Ms. Harris just said, we're looking at the big dollars. But sometimes all you need, if you got a huge following of folks, mm-hmm. you can sell something for $10 and be a millionaire. Right. It's, it's, it's context and perspective. It's, it's all about perspective. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Just, well, I think another way to build good um, trust and loyalty is old fashioned thank you notes after mm-hmm. the sale is over. So, following up, doing what you're saying, going to say you're going to do in the beginning, but then, and when the, everything is done, don't just drop them like a hot, what is your uh, hot potato? What is your follow-up? Are you thanking them personally? Are you sending them more literature on the back end? I think a lot of times we lose out on sales and developing cult like, um, um, followers is because we, we lose touch with those follow potential followers. And we, it's almost like, okay, I squoze out of you X amount of dollars. Let me move on to the next person. When it's easier to retain a person that we've already sold to. Right. Um, 
Let's see. Another way, um, let me go to, because I did pull up uh, Jeffrey Gittimer. I talk about him quite often. Um, he has a little till book of trust. And so I did, I left it at my office, but I did pull up on his website some of the things that he talks about in his book, The Little Till Book of Trust. Um, one of the things he says is be on time, which I love because you have to value other people's time and value other people. Um, and when you show that people will respect that and they'll respect you and then it, respect is given and respect is received. So I think um, honoring people in their time is um, is a huge one because how many times have you gone to a sales appointment? And I know someone to this day that is constantly late to sales appointments. Y'all. So what does that... Um, you know, what does that say about your product? Is the product going to come late? Are there going to be issues when they need uh, maintenance on the product? Or, you know, what is, what is going to happen with all of that? It translates a lot to your customers because, and if you're a service-based business, whoo, that's not a good look. Because right. again, you have to think everything that you do is subliminal to your customer. Mm-hmm. And so you have to give, you have to think about things in context, not from just your perspective, but you have to think if I'm a customer or when you are a customer, because at some point we're all customers somewhere, how do you like to be treated? Right. You know, a lot of times you have to think about that and what would you want as a customer and put that into your business and that'll help differentiate you. But not being on time, it's best for you to be early and have them wait on you than to have or or you wait on them than to have them wait on you. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Exactly. So, well, we're talking about this morning, uh, how to build trust and loyalty in your business and just giving a couple of tips that can hopefully help you as you create an amazing business and amazing structure. It's something that you should really, in my opinion, um, it, it really needs to be a piece of your marketing plan, a piece of your formalization plan um, of how you're going to do business, not just I'm selling cookies, but part of the strategy that helps you to retain customers, to build customers and all of that good stuff. So when we come back, we're going to get a little bit more into um, how to build trust and loyalty when it comes to your products. So um, we'll talk to you here in a second. You're listening to Business in Black and we will be right back. You're listening to Business in Black with your host, Danita Harris. Welcome back to Business in Black. This is Danita Harris, your host, along with my wonderful co-host, Dr. LaTanya Hughes. And today we're talking about how to build trust and loyalty for your business. Um, So the first little bit, we talked about some sales techniques of building trust. I've referred to you a resource of um, Jeffrey Gittimer. I love all of his books. He does not pay me to plug his books at all. I just think it's great information. It's easy information to read. It's insightful information. It's practical, duh, information. And you're going to learn a lot of um, information from his information. So um, another way that we're going to talk about building trust is about in your product realm. So um, straight from him, Mr. Jeffrey Gittimer himself, maybe one day he'll be on the show. That would be awesome if we could get him on the show. We'll just put that up first and see what happens. (laughs) But... um, Anyway, bring value beyond your product or service. 
Uh, and his side note here is what you do to help others to be more successful will be a true reflection of your character. And I think that's so big of, um, it's not just about like um, somebody. So I put on Facebook the other day um, and you can connect with me on business intelligence coach and you can connect with Dr. Hughes on what's your Dr. Latanya Hughes.com. There it is. Okay. Uh, and um, so I put on Facebook, um, you know, why don't we support more black owned businesses? Let's start mm-hmm. there. Cause I'm black. You're black. We're black. So this is business in black, by the way. Uh, And so why aren't we supporting your friends are in business and Mm -hmm. why aren't you supporting them? So we got a lot of different responses to which I will read a couple of them. Let me go there. One moment, please. Um, One of the biggest things that people say that the reason why they don't support is that they don't want to be sold to. So um, one of my friends, Shelly, says, it depends if I'm able to give them business, the type of business, and if they are annoying the ever-living crap out of me after I've told them no thank you politely multiple times. When that's the case, there's no way I'd give them business. Or if they only friended you because they don't really care about you as a person, they just want to build their MLM or multi-level marketing business. I support people that I feel deserve it and I'm able to if it's something I need or will use. But if I'm harassed, then they can forget it. I think it boils down to boundaries. I mean, and how much do you honor and respect your friendships? I mean, at the end of the day, your friendships are your friendships. And if they say no, you have to respect that person's no. And the problem is, and basically what that woman is saying is sometimes people who want to start a business and I don't care what color you are. um, You don't, we don't, we tend to not respect people's no. We want everybody to bend to us, but we don't want to respect other people's right to choose. Right. And that's what it boils down to. And sometimes I think, um, you know, for me, unfortunately, my friends and my family sometimes are the last people I'll reach out to for support, not because I don't want to, Mm -hmm. but because it's a fine line. And if you know, if I know what I have to offer isn't, isn't a fit for them, Right. I'm not going to bother them, but I may say, hey, do you have a referral? Yes or no. If they say no or I can't think of anybody, okay, cool, and move on. But I don't depend upon that. Um, And it's not necessarily because, oh, they don't support Black-owned because they do, you know, a lot of my friends and family do, especially small business. But it's just, you have to know your friends. And I think it boils down to sometimes we call people friends who don't consider us friends. Ooh, now that's a word. That's the truth. And they're thinking of us as an acquaintance or a colleague. Come on. Or someone I just know. But we're over here like, nah, girl, that's my friend. Right. Ooh, that hurt. But it's the truth. Yeah, it really is. So I'm with Shelly on this one because I don't want you to just... And and it's interesting because when I first took... um, So we have a... um, a Bible devotional that we do the first Tuesday of every month online um, with a bunch of women. It's a it's for my Global Entrepreneurial Christian Women's Association. And, and of course, as usual, Dr. Hughes is co-chair with me on that. We did it in Florida face-to-face in person with a group of women at 
the church that I was attending. And I can remember people feeling some kind of way about me bringing this to the church grounds because they really were against people at this particular church just using church as a feeder for their businesses. And it's interesting that they had that take because in my parents' church in Greensboro, North Carolina, like that's who they, they were first to be like, okay, who does what in the church? Like we want to use people and support people, but in this church in Florida, they didn't want that going on. So it was a very fine line of what we are going to be doing is this just a networking group in the on the church ground that we're pulling under the auspice of we're studying the word, or is it really a study in the word? Well, it ended up being a study in the word, which is our intention. And then, you know, from there we were able to network, but people feel some kind of way about um, networking, which I don't understand because it's part of what we do every day. And I get that you don't want to force yourself upon them, which I love the fact that you point out Dr. Who's and you say, oh, well, I'll ask, you know, do you know anybody? And if they say, well, I use that product or I need that service, then, oh, okay, it's for you too, but I'm not going to directly ask you for your business. I'm going to ask if you know other people, or I'm just going to plant that seed in your mind that this is what I do. And one day you might be in conversation and say, oh, you know who does that? Oh, that's what Dr. Hughes does. Let me get her information for you. So I think there's a healthy boundary and level of respect that we can have for conversation about what we do without pushing off onto people and becoming that person that Shelly says that only friends you because they don't really care about you as a person. They just want to build their MLM. Well, I think also too, you have to think, um, I think some churches don't like it because again, boundaries, people don't understand and respect boundaries. And the other thing is, what if somebody falls into offense because something went wrong in the business mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and now there's a great falling away of folks who don't want to come to church because they're trying to avoid that person because everybody who's in the church, everybody's at different levels. Right. It's a mixed multitude of people. So rather than exercise Matthew, what is it? 18 and go to your brother and, and talk about the offense. You, you just kind of just leave. Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes it can cause strife and a lot of stuff inside the church. So I think some churches are still getting a handle on how that, how they do that. And others are saying, you know, some, some would just rather say we don't want it in the church versus yeah. others who will say, how can we get a handle on knowing who's in business in the church, coming up with a business directory, coming up with a way to help our business, our business owners mm-hmm. grow and flourish and be better in their businesses, provide training, provide this and provide that. There are some churches that my church does that, for example. And so we have what we call the Oasis Business Network. And that's what that does. It, you know, it kind of creates that for, you know, our business community. So we know, okay, first to the household of faith. So who at my church does roof repairs or flooring or whatever the case may be, we can go to that directory. And again, I think it's just a matter of some, some churches don't have that vision and insight and some, some do, and some are still working through that. And so I think it can be, like you said, it can be touchy and, you know, trying to facilitate that process, um, you know, it's kind of hard. And if there are other more pressing uh, issues and things that the church is focusing on at that time, it's just kind of like, let's stay away away from that. And here's the other thing is I don't, I'm not knocking MLMs because I've been in one. I've been, I've been in one before a couple of them. 
but um, it's very numbers driven. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, a lot of times, you know, again, again, if it's working for some and not working for others, that can people can feel kind of some type of way. And they come up with their own machinations in their mind about what somebody's doing to help somebody else. All this other kind of mm-hmm. stuff that may not be true. Yeah. yeah. And so, again, you, you know, it's just kind of like giving no place to the devil. People don't want to kind of cause people to stumble and fall in that. So I think it's just a matter of boundaries and understanding, um, you know, we're not here to just build on yourself, but, you know, it's just keep, keeping things in perspective and knowing what's right. And some people don't respect no. They take right. sales to a very serious level and feel like, yeah, you got to be aggressive and keep coming back and keep coming back. And that's this is true. true. <laughs> but there's a time and a place for everything and everybody don't know that. Right. And I did business with a guy once who was that way and he was that way in his personal life and his business life. And it was like, no, no means no at this point. Like, you know, I'm not interested, but, um, you know, you just have to build some kind of like Jeffrey Gittimer was saying, service beyond the actual product. So yes, mm-hmm. so let's talk about the product itself. So the product should be in truth of what it is. So they are measuring um, um, benchmarks, right? Like mm-hmm. if your product says it's four ounces, it better be four ounces. If the right. FDA pulls that product off the shelf, it had better be four ounces, you know, because we know that people are not always, like you say, honest, that's right. And people are not always in truth. And so if you say you're going to deliver XYZ service, then you should deliver XYZ service. Um, and it shouldn't be less than that. If anything, you build more. And it's not to say that you have to give away four and a half ounces where you said it's only, you know, you're paying, paying for four, but it might be where your value built in that behind is stellar customer service. It's the thank you note. Is the um, touch points back to entice you to want to share it with a friend or continue to buy more from um, from you as a as a producer or manufacturer. So your product should be what your products say they are. Be honest with people. Don't tell them that it's um uh, oh the good one that comes to mind is I was watching sixty minutes a couple of weeks ago and the the Asian guy who was lying to these wealthy auction houses and these um, wealthy millionaires of saying, oh yeah, this is the wine of the century and it's this and it's that. Honey, he was making the wine in his house in California and putting the labels on in his kitchen and selling these bottles for half a million, million dollars, such and such and such. Like, are you kidding me? Wow. And he got caught up with, of course. And um, so one of the millionaires had spent now he paid four hundred thousand dollars, I think it was, for four bottles of wine, and he had spent several million dollars to try and find this guy because it was about the principal for him. So you should, you know, like you don't know the ends, and you don't know who you're messing with to know. You don't know the ends of where somebody's mind is to where they will go to rights when they feel like they've been wronged. Right. So just be honest. Another thing that I saw was in, in, cause I have a nail polish, a nail lacquer line for busy professional women. That's a shameless plug in by Marlo.com. You can look them up and buy them. They're great stocking stuffers. Um, but I have a line and I was doing research on the beauty industry. And there are some beauty companies that will per- that have investigators, private investigators that they have in house to do the, um, research and crack down on these counterfeiters of their products. Do you know that they're using horse urine in some of these products coming out of China? And that there are in these sweatshop little 
places that, you know, are not regulated and it's not, yeah, it might have the label of this hot couture line, but it's really not. And then next thing you know, your eye has Staphylococcus or something on it. (laughs) And the product isn't what it says. And so I bring that back to the feet of the consumer though, Dr. Hughes, because if the consumer would just go ahead and pony up the money, then people like that could not exist. But because we have people that want that, product that's been priced out at a luxury price tag and but they want it for a discount um and they're not offering discounts right now but they find it on the corner in the back alley someplace here in new york city for a discount now we we think we're really getting something but we're not and then we want to get mad when we have staphylococcus in our eyes (laughs) you got a staph infection in your eye okay here's the thing two things you get what you pay for and okay. let the buyer beware. Yes. We live in the age of Google. Let, let me just, okay. We live in the age of Google. We, we're in the internet, the information superhighway. There is no excuse for not being informed. As a consumer, we have, there are too many horror stories out there that we can, that's at the, that at, on our fingertips that lets us know what's going on out here. Counterfeiting is real and it's not just for money. That doesn't mean everything can get like, okay, makeup, cosmetic stuff you apply to your skin is not the same as a counterfeit handbag. So, okay, we would like to think that common sense is common, but it's not. Please, like you, again, I I agree. You have to do your due diligence, not just as a business owner, but as a consumer as well. But if you want to be a great business owner, yes, you do want to do your research to find out what's happening with the vendors and people you are sourcing your materials and stuff from, especially if you have a business where you're doing private label. Private labeling, you can't private label everything. Makeup, cosmetic, anything dealing with cosmetics, skincare, yes. um, you know, nail, all of that kind of stuff. You need to really do your research on these companies where they're sourcing their stuff from and who that person is sourcing their stuff from. Because at the end of the day, consumers aren't suing those companies. They're going to sue, sue you, you because they use yeah. your product and you should have made sure that it was the right stuff. And so like she's saying, you want to make sure you're not, you're not, you know, selling something that's using horse urine and this and that. And it's the same thing in food. You want to make sure that if you sell in bison, that it's real bison meat, not 10% bison. Right. And the rest of it is filled with this. You know what I mean? So right. it's truth in advertising. So if you're saying, you know, the truth in advertising is we don't do animal testing, product testing, but the company of the company of the company that's being outsourced. So three companies down there doing animal product testing. Guess what? You are not animal product testing. You right. are doing animal product testing. Right. And with so, that, well, we're going to come right back. It's a heated discussion now. Now that we're talking about <laughs> products, um, we're talking about how to build trust and loyalty in your business with your brand, with your consumer following. And you're listening to Business in Black, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Business in Black with your host, Danita Harris. All 
All right. And we're back with Business in Black. This is a weekly podcast, excuse me, uh, where we talk about all things starting, building, growing a successful business. Uh, We're here talking about how to build trust and loyalty in your business. Um, So we've talked a little bit about a sales process of that, um, you know, like doing stuff like building a relationship and not just taking advantage of people and trying to just make them another sale and then you moving on to the next warm body. Um, and then we, we left off with a rather heated conversation, a passionately inclined conversation of um, products and sourcing and being cognitive. And when we were on break, one of the things that Dr. LaTanya and I wanted to make sure you understood was from a global dynamic um, standpoint, because she is the global mentor coach, um, that you are responsible for your sourcing. So we left off talking about sourcing and how you're responsible for knowing um, where, um, excuse me, where your products are coming from, but you're also responsible in the global dynamic of knowing where your products are going to. Um, there are paper trails with international consequences that can be very bad for you if, let's say, I produce phones and I am selling to a country that is a, I'm allowed to sell for because they're actually countries you're not allowed to do business with, with certain yes. things. And, and so I'm with a country that I actually know I can sell to. Well, if that country then turns around and sells those goods to a country that we should not be selling to, guess who right. gets in trouble? Exactly. So there are Mm -hmm. things that you'll need in place and measurements that you'll need in place that can help to circumvent that and help to mitigate that risk. But ultimately, you're responsible from one way coming in where that sourcing is coming into your company and also to where your product and or sourcing is going out of your company. Right. You have to know what countries are embargoed. I mean, and there are services and resources that are available to you to help you because they'll have forms and documents that you could send to your customers and the client and they will tell you, make sure you get this before you do any business, before you send a product or sign or agree to anything, make sure they complete this form Mm -hmm. that helps you because then if they go against that. So if they decide we're going to sell to this country that's on the terror list that we're not supposed to be selling to, and if it, and it comes back to you, you can say, nope, here's the form. It's notarized. It's this, 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 and this. And here it is in black and white. Mm-hmm. Now you have something to stand on. You have a leg to stand on. But if you don't have that, and and you do it out of timing and they mess around and do it before that form gets back or whatever the case may be, you're in trouble. So, you know, it's important, like she said, you have to do your research and you have to know for yourself, um, you know, who's on that embargo list and what that's that's the danger of of um, selling in the global marketplace. Because those embargo lists, you know, they grow every day, every week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, somebody falls off, somebody gets back on there. It's all kinds of the stuff. And so you need to have, you know, stuff in place so that you have a recourse. And it's worth the investment. If you feel it's worth expanding into the global marketplace, it's worth the investment of time, money, and any other resource you have to protect yourself and your business. Because you don't want to go to jail. 
Right. Or be fined or something like that. Correct. For something that you didn't, you know, you're doing business with the right country, but because they're deciding to do business with the wrong country, it still comes back to you. you. It always comes back to you. So on leaving a a cautionary note, let's go to another note of building um, uh, brand loyalty through your products. Um, You could give away freebies. Right. Um, I know when I order from a particular company, I have up to X amount of freebies that I can get from them, which I think is smart. It helps them get rid of maybe older product that might be expiring. Um, But it also, to me, I I mean, I think of that because I do business development, but for the average consumer, it's like, oh, wow, look, I get these freebies. Who doesn't love a freebie? Um, So you can give away... um, uh, little sample sizes of product right. that you um, you want other people to be engaged with that they've never had a track history of ordering more than likely um, that would expand them to wanting to know more about your company. So another way with um, the product aspect from sourcing to... Um, to just giving things away, um, you really want to make sure that you do diligence um, in giving the customers the best. And and I can't overemphasize that because we're in such um, um, we're in such a place where we want to give away, and people think um, the price should be low and the quality should be high and that's just not the case. So you want to make sure you're giving the best effort to give away what it is that you're offering at the best quality and not do the deceivery. And the, the biggest company that I think of that does the deceive, deceitfulness is uh, potato chip companies mm-hmm. where they have all of that air space in there. And it's like at this point, and I know maybe they have to have X amount of the carbon, whatever it's in there to help to prevent the staling of the potato chip pumped into it. But we all know that like three fourths of the bag is not potato chips, right? And so it's like we've become accustomed to that. But how do you think we feel when we see where the bottles are not filled to the full capacity as a competitor or, you know, just those little things that um, make us feel like we're not getting our most value out of it? So I think if, if you are um, looking a little different, your capacity levels are filled a little differently, that you have to reveal to people the whys behind that so that they understand and they're educated on it and they don't feel like they're getting slighted or cheated. Right. So product um, um, is a big deal. Um, making sure your products are in, on point, they are what they say, you say they are, they're not full of um, um, toxic and harmful things. They're going to who they say they're going to. They're being sourced from who you say they're being sourced from. All of those things um, are very important to um, keep in the forefront and and just be upfront about people because there are watchdogs out there and they will research you and they will find out all kinds of stuff um, and they will expose you if you're not. 
So just stay truthful in those things. And the last thing I want to talk about are building trust in your marketing. And that's Mm. tying right into what I'm saying here of just being who you say you are going to be, delivering what you say you are going to deliver, returning calls when you say you are going to return those calls. It's very similar to all the other, you know, the, the things that we've said here, but it's just imperative that, you know, if you say it's, um, you know, if you're, if you start build, cause one, one way that people like to do the marketing aspect is to compare themselves to their competitor. Right. So right. if you are going to compare yourself to competitors, your competitor, please don't be apples to zebras. Right. Please don't, because sometimes they'll say, Oh, well, we're better than so-and-so, but it's like, but you don't even use the same type of fabric. Right. Or you don't even use the same level of quality, fill in the blank. So you're really not comparing yourself. So you really can't call yourself a better price point. You're, it's just a totally different product. And a lot well, of I consumers think, don't understand that. Yeah, I, I, think, I think all of this boils down to truth in advertising um, at the end of the day. Um, and again, due diligence. We live in the age of Google. It's just, I can't stress this enough. I mean, Yelp and, you know, any other, you know, site, review site out there, do your research. And um, if I were you, especially for companies who like to research their competitors, go out there and look at those customer reviews on those sites. Mm -hmm. There's no law that says you can't do that. That's part of shopping your competition. But I don't, my thing is don't be so consumed with that, that you lose your brand. Right. Because some people build a brand off of their competition. That is some, it works for some people and some people it doesn't. But what is your why for being in business? Mm-hmm. And you have to remember, like we said in the other show, we started talking when we talked about this, what's your brand and being consistent with your brand and your brand messaging and your packaging, all of that is truth in advertising. Because again, you can't build trust and loyalty if your brand is all about a lie. That's, you know, so you want to kind of pay attention to that. You know, I know there are some, there's a restaurant whose brand is all about sarcasm. Yes. Okay, it works. Yes. But, you know, may not work for somebody else, but guess what? When you go in that restaurant, everybody's about to be sarcastic to you. Everybody. Right. And but so that just in business back and expanding. To, right, right, being your authentic self. Yeah. Telling the truth. Thank having you. the fortitude to say we're going to do it different or we're going to do it, you know, whatever the case may be. So People need to, I mean, like you say, there's no, there's no harm in researching the competition to see what they're doing well, um, to do comparison. Matter of fact, a brilliant, um, a brilliant ad that just came out, big up to Samsung. I'm an Apple everything, but big up to Samsung on their recent one. I don't know if you saw the, the, um, commercial where the entire, you would have thought this entire commercial was about Apple. And at the very end, it, it, highlights why Samsung is better than Apple. Wow. 
And it was just a remarkable, whoever came up with that, big kudos to them because it really engaged you and it really um, was amazing how they pointed out their apples to apples differences. And it was like, well, darn, you know, that that was a blow and an amazingly genius way of highlighting how um, more innovative that the Samsung Galaxy is over the iPhone. But if you're going to compare yourself to your, and if you're going to research yourself to your competition, there's nothing wrong with that, but you still have to walk in your own authenticity, in right. your own self, in, in what, because I often do this very same thing. I think we all do. We all, because, you know, when you develop a business plan, when you have to speak to in potential investors about who your competition is, you should have done your research on the competition. Because right. let's be realistic, you have competition. Um, you're not, you know, Thomas Edison and you're the first inventor of the light bulb. That's not what's going on here, you know? So you have competition more than likely, even if it's indirect competition, you still have direct, you still have competition. So you need to know what they're doing, but you just make sure that what you're doing is your authentic self. Because if you have that issue, problem, pain point, and you're addressing it, somebody else has that same issue, problem, pain point, and they will be attracted to you. Mm-hmm. So, and I always bring up the example of like a CVS to a Walgreens. I'm a CVS girl. I love the, there's something about their flow. There's something about the color scheme. There's something about the way the store is laid out that I have that preference over people like my mom who are Walgreens people. So, you know, something about the lighting in CVS, it it just appeals to me as opposed to the Walgreens. And, you know, so, but there's enough people that's shopping at both to where they're in, you know, they're, they're still both healthily in business. So just make sure you're paying attention to um, just telling the truth in your marketing. Right. Of you being who you are, who you say you're going to be, not pretending to be someone else, um, not um, just doing a McDowell's. We've talked about that before. Did you know <laughs> that it was a McDowell's for real? Like there was a pop yeah. that happened here in New York. Girl, I saw that. I was like, wow. Okay. Really? I, I was like, I got to get over there. So, but you know, you don't want to be a good number two, a second version of somebody else. You want to be the best first version of yourself. Right. And I think that's what it all boils down to. Just truth in advertising, truth in, um, in building relationships with people, truth in wanting to connect with people, truth in wanting to help your audience solve those problems because that's what we go into business for. Right. So anyway, we hope we left you with some amazing tips, amazing um, things to talk about in your own business, to work out, to rehash, to think about. Maybe you've never even thought about it from that perspective and how to build more trust and loyalty, how to get people coming back in and that it being a revolving door where they go out with the purchase, they come back in for another one as opposed to a one and done. Uh, so you're listening to Business in Black, and this is a weekly podcast that we hope to enlighten, inspire, empower you to continue to um, strive at the best efforts of starting, growing, or building a business. I'm your host, Anita Harris, joined by, of course, Dr. Latanya Hughes, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Bye. You're listening to Business in Black with your host, Danita Harris.